Welcome to the Further North Podcast, your weekly dose of the North Melbourne Footy Club. My name is Josh, and this is a fan-run podcast doing match previews, reviews, and everything north. Let's get it started. Podcast, guys. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be real with you guys right now. I've just woke up from a nap. I'm a little bit groggy. Do I sound excited now? Yes, but that may drop very, very soon. Legitimately woke up from a nap 15 minutes ago and went, oh God, I better get the podcast recorded before the Matildas play. So we've got about uh, an hour and a half to the Matildas play. We've got lots of questions to get through. Uh, We've got lots of positives and negatives. We've got lots of stuff just like normal on the Further North podcast. So excuse me if I'm a little bit like, uh, we lost to the D's again. But hey, this is the sort of content you come here for. This is real life. We're all humans. Humans nap. I've been working a lot. Give me a break. But I know you guys will. Love yous lots. Cheers. All right. That's enough lollygagging. Let's get straight into it. Coming off uh, a 32-point loss to the D's in Tasmania. And one exciting quarter, and a bit it was until we did sort of revert back into our old habits. But is that a good thing that we performed like that? Is that a sign that we, you know, of what we can do? Or is that another, oh, it's bad, we went back to our old ways. We'll discuss all that. We've got lots of questions um, you guys have written in. Uh, that's going to be the main part of the show today. I love asking you guys for questions because it gives me a talking point when I'm alone. So hopefully that's fun for you guys. But let's get into my notes first. And what we'll do is we'll start off with the team lineup. Now, obviously every single week you guys get my live reaction to the squad on the Thursday nights. But because we always play on Sundays, we never know the final squad. And the final squad was honestly disappointing. Um, Lockie Young was out. I don't mind that. I think Lockie Young has been pretty poor. And uh, I guess we really only replaced him with Charlie Lazaro, though, as well. So, look, nothing groundbreaking in the squad. I definitely did think that Clarkson would swing the axe a little bit more. But, hey, the first quarter and a half, clearly I was wrong. Um, After that, all downhill. But... Basically, um, no real exciting changes at all. We got teased of a Ben Cunnington return, that's for sure. But uh, it wasn't to be. Now, let's get into some positives and negatives from the game. Positives first to keep the vibes up. And then uh, then negatives. So, my first uh, dot point I wrote down here during the game. The early pressure was elite. And not just elite... Um, as a word I used to describe it from what I was seeing with the eye test, the AFL stats did suggest that our pressure was elite. Um, We have a habit of this coming out in the first 10 minutes or first quarter, you know, like a bull at a gate and not being able to sustain it. But I don't know, against a team that's been in red hot form, obviously now second on the ladder, um, we really did take it up to them in the first quarter. Um, I saw something saying we're the best We've been the best pressure side in the league for the last few weeks, averaging 77 tackles. Um, I don't think we got that many tackles this game. Last game, we got to a lot. 
So, well, look, we are a bit up and down, but on average, we are an incredibly good pressure team. Um, it just depends. We're either elite or awful. Um, and there's two different ends of the spectrum there. But the early pressure was elite. The second dot point I wrote down in the first quarter um, actually can now be said for the whole game. Zebul is crucial to our defense. Now, I'm going to try not to say I told you so um, and not anyone in particular here, but, you know, I've talked about this before. I feel like Zebul has been that guy who people seem to want gone um, for the last couple of months or sort of since the buy, especially after a brilliant season I thought he had before that. Yep, he hasn't been as good as he was the first half of the year, but he's still so much better than most of the defenders we've got. And he really showed that with all of his intercept marks. He's kicking. I'm going to say this again. People think he's a bad kick because he kicked it out of bounds twice in one game. Other than that, he's been a pretty good kick. Um, He leads our defense from the back with that short chip kicking to get rid of the pressure and to try and set up. Um, We do obviously try and revert or always revert back to long kicks down the line, but he's not the one who does that. It's usually some of the younger guys getting under pressure and just sending that ball as far as they can. But I'm really worried, honestly, for next year. Someone's got to fill that Zebra role because he's been brilliant 80% of this season. And I've been a big advocate for him going around again. Obviously, that's not happening now after we know he called time. Um, But I don't know anyone in that defense who's going to put their body on the line, be able to take the marks. Jackson Archer is that guy. Like, he's always going to be tough, but he's not the mark that Zebel is. Um, he's not as good of a kick. Um, Jackson Archer did turn the ball over a couple of times kicking out of defense, and he's young, so that'll come. I love Jacko. But, um, yeah, someone's going to have to fill that void next year, and I'm really struggling to see who's going to do it, along with Ben Mackay um, going and Griffin Lowe being out most of the year. Um, some recruiting is going to need to be done to fill those holes, which we do have some questions about, um, so we'll get to that. But Zebul was brilliant. Eddie Ford versus Jake Lever. And then my next uh, dot point was Eddie Ford. Huge first quarter. Let's talk about Eddie Ford. What a game. Now, not the whole game. He sort of did drift away in the second half, but our whole team did, so I don't blame him for that. Um, he's only played 19 games or something, but three goals in the first quarter, and that one where he's uh, ran, pick up the ball. He's not even just shrugged the guy off. He's genuinely like faced him and pushed him over, grabbed the ball and then snapped it from about 40 metres out on a hard angle. That was brilliant. He's got a bit of dog in him, doesn't he? Um, I love Eddie Ford and I love since he's coming to this team, he hasn't even looked like getting dropped. And it was really interesting what they were doing. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that Clarkson's back and then instantly Eddie Ford plays this really different role where in the forward line, he was playing on Jake Lever. Um, it wasn't Jerry or um, it wasn't Larky down the forward line. And the Fox footy team did actually a decent job of explaining this. But basically what they were trying to do was Eddie Ford was trying to pull Jake Lever away from the hot spot on the ground because Jake Lever always wants to drop in and be that intercept mark. But there was a lot of times and when uh, Eddie Ford took a decent, it was a semi-contested mark, but... Eddie Ford ran at the contest and jumped in front of the contest and took a mark and kicked a goal from it. But you could see Jake Lever in the background trying to drop into the space um, to intercept or go with Eddie Ford and he couldn't make a decision. And I think it's a really smart thing to do that something that I'm not a coach, so I don't know this sort of stuff, but 
it's interesting seeing a player play that role where it's not just Jake Lever playing on a big and Stephen May playing on a big and not just manning up. It's dragging the opponent away from where they, uh, what's the right word here, where they succeed, I guess, or like taking Jake Lever out of his natural game and sort of using Eddie Ford as a bit of a hybrid role to dra- drag Jake Lever out of the hot spot to intercept. Um, so he didn't know whether to go with him or play his natural role. So that's how Eddie Ford was able to get on top of it. They clearly did something to change that, uh, especially in the second half. But really innovative stuff, if that makes sense. Hopefully I explained that in a decent way. But watching it uh, live, go back and watch the first quarter and watch Eddie Ford's movement and where Jake Lever is. It was some brilliant coaching and some brilliant execution. But yeah, Eddie Ford, three goals in the first quarter. Um, we got off to such a hot start and he was the main reason for that. Just like the week before, I guess, with Paul Curtis. So, yeah, great job, Eddie Ford. You've really cemented your place in this team. And he's one I'm going to add to the list that could be an absolutely crucial player. You know I'm harsh with this. You know I'm, I'm a pessimistic fan and I get worried. So, yeah, great job, Eddie Ford. Um, great effort from our defense, especially in the first quarter. Uh, once again, we're really just going to go for first half positives here. But... Um, the Ds were putting on pressure and their kicking was woeful. They were going under 50% efficiency for kicking. And we were able to take advantage of that. And look, one side of this is we're only allowed to look that good if a team's playing that badly, but we can clearly do it if we can improve. And I think our defense, even though the Ds were playing badly, they had plenty of inside 50s and plenty of opportunities. And I think our defense stood up. Um, Marnie did message me this, so shout out to Marnie for this. But um, Zebul. Luke McDonald and Aiden Core, yes, Aiden Core, Marnie's new favourite player, which makes me sick. Um, they were great, and I'm not going to let my bias uh, affect any of that. The whole defence played pretty well, especially for that first half. The last five minutes of the first half was bad, and they let two goals in in two minutes, but that's pretty standard for us. Um, but I thought the whole defence stood up, but McDonald was very solid today, or yesterday, what day is it? Um, Zebul was great, obviously, and Aiden Core has continued his good form. So hopefully that's how he plays at a minimum every single week. But it's going to take a long time for Aiden Core to earn my trust back. But hey, he played well. Um, I just wrote a note here and I did post <laughs> I did post this on the Facebook page when I'm ranting during games. I forgot you could give a free kick um, for tripping a player without actually tripping the player. It was so funny where Jackson Archer... Look, if Jackson Arch had a, a couple more kilos on him, he brings Petrarca to the ground when he had it in the forward pocket. Um, Arch just sort of bounced off him. Still kept a hold of him, but it grabbed him around the legs and Petrarca's just stopped and gone, hey, that's a free kick, right? And I'm like, if you tackle them around the legs, but they don't trip, is it a free kick? I've just never seen the players stop and be like, hey, look at that. And Petrarca wasn't on the ground. So I thought that was really weird um guys let me know like if he tackles him and slides down his legs but doesn't trip him what's the free kick for i thought it was the tripping was the rule not tackling below the waist but maybe i'm wrong i don't know but i thought that was funny um another free kick that i'm sure a bigger team wouldn't have given away though uh next point here archer is tough not the most skillful player in the world, did turn the ball over a couple of times, but every time that guy's around the contest, he's just like his old man, isn't he? And you add a few kegs, if he comes back five kilos heavier in the offseason, trains like he did and doesn't hurt himself, he's going to be a really crucial player. And we've got some questions that I'm going to talk about Jacko in 
after this. But I love the way he puts his body on the line and he's improving. The last two games, I thought he's been really good. So he's really allowing McDonald to play a bit more freely and I'm liking what I'm seeing from Jacko. Another point here is Taron Thomas is only the icing. Now, what I mean by that is there's two ways that I describe. Actually, I, I described our team like this last week where I think comparing us to the Hawks is a good example where I think we've got the icing, but we don't have the body of a really good squad. We've got players like Wardlaw, Sheasel, Thomas, Larkey, you know, Will Phillips, all these sort of guys that are going to be incredibly good players. But then the drop-off from our top 10 players to our next 15 is shocking. Um, the Hawks, on the other hand, don't really have the icing, but they've got the cake. They've got a lot of players that are going to put in six or seven minimum out of 10 every single week, and they're going to be able to perform. Um, where I'm going with this is Taron Thomas, he had a great game. He had a great game. I did have a go at Taron Thomas in the preview podcast. Maybe I was a bit emotional then. I probably said some things I didn't mean. Um, I do think if he doesn't want to be here, you should absolutely trade him. But I don't want to trade him. He's a great player. Um, he showed his class, but he's not going to be the guy who ever digs in, rips the ball out and does it himself. But if he's around a really good midfield, if our midfield next year lines up as, you know, Wardlaw, LDU and him, that could be very dangerous. He's the closest thing to Daniel Wells that we've had since Daniel Wells. Um, and I'm not saying he's as good as Daniel Wells. Daniel Wells is one of my favorite North players of all time, an absolute champion and underrated, absolutely underrated. But he is that icing that when our team is good, he will make us great. But he's not the guy to go from being bad to being good. So I hope he can stick it out in this team and pull his head in and have a bit better of an attitude until we get good because him on top of this midfield, especially if we get Riley Sanders or Harley Reid or something like that, he can just be that cherry on top. And uh, he had a great game. Uh, a good response from last week when I think his stats um, weren't that great. I think he only had 10 touches last week, but he didn't really impact anything. So good from Taz. And I'll just point out some individual players I thought were really good. We've talked about Eddie Ford, Bailey Scott, really, really good season from him. Um, he just continues to be fantastic every week. A goalie, a little bit of a throwback, a couple of goals, did well in the ruck. Um, didn't dominate the hitouts, but we're winning more center clearances, um, which is good because once it hits the ground, he's not irrelevant. Um, Simkin, I thought, had a really good game. I think it was 28 touches or something for Simkin. A lot more influential around the contest as well. Um, he's been pretty poor, I think, since he came back from concussion. So a good response from Jai. Um, and that's what you need as a captain as well. Jack Zebel already talked about Jack. Fantastic display at the back. Aiden Core again. I've put Aiden Core in my best, guys. Even I can be turned, clearly. Um, he's playing very well. And he needs to do this every single week. But he was one of the better players on the day. He's been a real mainstay in our defense. And I think he's been better than Ben Mackay has recently. So Ben Mackay's head's already in, uh, at Essendon, I think. Um, Luke McDonald had a good game. Um, I think a good uh, nine marks, I think he had um, uh, some crucial intercepts, not just blazing away as well, using a bit of his skill to find a target up the wing. Um, yeah, I think Luke McDonald had a really solid game. LDU doing what he does. He gets caught a little bit, and we'll talk about LDU soon. But... Um, 
Look, he's finding his best form. He just needs our team to be good around him to get even better. But he couldn't do any more than he's already doing. And we've talked about Taron Thomas. He's um, He had a very good game. Him and LDU in that midfield can be very classy. We just need someone to give them first use of the ball. So let's go to some negatives. Um, first negative here, we are so slow to switch the ball and progress forward. It's really hard for our team to get the ball out of the back line, especially early in the game, the D's had the ball in their forward half majority of the time. And when we get a mark around the back 50 or in the back pocket, we're so, we, we, we think about there's no one running past for handballs like the Pies do all the time. If there is, they're always running into some other player and we need to get smarter at that. So we don't move the ball quickly. We're too slow to switch as well. We sort of look left, look right. Darcy Tucker's one that does this all the time. He'll look left, look right, go to switch, then not, go to kick the other way, then not. And we fail to make decisions quickly and the teams, the opposition team gets ready to set up a zone and we always end up kicking it long to that zone, to a contest. Um, and when you've got guys like Jerry, you know, who aren't really going to take contested marks, um, you know, unless Goldie's there, or Nick Larkey actually was better on the weekend at taking some contested grabs. Not great, but was better. Um, it really slows our team's progression down. So we need to get, much quicker at moving it off halfback, linking up, switching, and that sort of stuff. It'll come in time, but, geez, we are really, really slow. Uh, can't get the ball out of our back half. I mean, that sort of goes back into that. Even when we do sort of get it past halfway up to the wing, we usually end up reverting to a long kick down the line or our skill errors let us down. And that's another point I've got here. Um, the skill errors, the amount of goals we concede off turnovers, our midfield is like Swiss cheese when we turn the ball over. I've never seen teams be able to progress the ball from our forward 50 to their forward 50 so quickly through our midfield. So that's something we really need to tighten up. Here's my point about LDU. LDU needs to be tougher and smarter. Two, holding the ball calls. Now, there's two ways to look at this. One, and I agree with both of these, to be fair. One, He's the, one of the only guys taking the game on. And that is the way I try and look at it. But last week and this week, he got a couple of really bad holding the ball decisions where he had so much time to just kick the ball or to handball the ball, and he tries too much. I'm glad he's trying to take the game on, and I love that that's side of his game. We need people to do that. So it's not a criticism. But the, a few times he's been caught in the last few weeks are so simple that you, how do you not know that there's a player right there? How do you not know that there's three guys ready to hunt you down? And he refuses to get the ball on the boot or handball when he's got those options. So I think he needs to be a little bit smarter in knowing his surroundings in a contest, when to handball, get a one-two and move, or just kick the ball into the 50. That's not bad all the time if that's not every single entry. And I've said tougher here as well because I think he can be a little bit weak if he's going into like a one-on-one -on -one contest. If the player, if he's running at the ball, it's happened a couple of times where the player's near the ball, the opposition player's about to pick it up, and he doesn't really lay a strong tackle. Um, I think that's maybe one of the weaker parts of his game is laying a strong tackle. And he's strong when he gets the ball and runs away from contests, gives a don't argue, runs out of packs, very strong. But when it's going the other way and he's not picking up the ball, he's on the defensive side. I think he's he, he should be tougher for the size and body stature that he is. So not a criticism. I love LDU, but needs to be a bit tougher in those contests and a bit smarter when he's bounding away sometimes. Uh, we can't follow a, a lead in our defense 
uh, five to 20 marks inside 50, the count was. And what I mean by that is the amount of times that the Ds and every team kicks the ball into our 50 and there's a player of ours trailing about 10 metres behind, not anywhere near and creating an uncontested marker is wild. Um, I don't know if we're trying to play too much zone. We seem very zone heavy. Um, I would love to see a little bit more one-on-one defence. Um, but I think there must be a Clarkson thing with this zone. We saw it um, in the first part of the year. We definitely didn't allow that to happen under Ratton as much as the first part of the season with Clarkson. But, yeah, we always seem to have – Josh Goder is one of these – I think Josh Goder has been good um, since he's come back. But Jackson Archer in the back pocket is always chasing his – uh, opponent really, really closely enforces a contest. But Goda for the last few weeks gets repeatedly beat uh, when his opponent is leading away from him. So that's something I would love to see tightened up. Goda, I can remember doing it three or four times this game where we give up a mark. Sorry, we give up a mark inside 50 and uh, he's sort of, you know, seven metres behind and looks frustrated that his opponent got away from him. And I'm like, how is that happening to you, man? Like play shoulder to shoulder, play on the back of your opponent but you're quick. He's quick and he's got long limbs. Surely you can keep up with him. But maybe that's just experience too. Kane Turner always follows up his awful ability of football with effort. So the most telling passage of play here was a time where Kane Turner sort of won the ball out of a contest and goes to kick the ball into our 50. Um, then he gets tackled or dispossessed somehow. Get The ball gets smothered and it bounces away. Um, a few metres away from the pack. Easy turnover for the Ds and they go to progress the ball up and then you just see him diving out of frame to smother the ball. And I know there's a section of the North fan community here that go, someone said last week, if everyone put in as much effort as Kane Turner, we'd be a much better side. And that is not the correct attitude to have here, guys. Um, Kane Turner makes up for effort what he lacks in skill. And if we had 22 Kane Turners out there, it would be the worst team on the planet. Um, Kane Turner definitely does more negative than he does positive. Yep, I love his tackling and I love his smothering. That's great. But when it doesn't amount to much and then when he gets the ball and just turns it over anyway, um, it sort of nullifies the positives that he's done. Uh, And once again, I've said this all season, we can find a guy that can tackle and smother and also play on the offensive side of the game. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we've got a question coming up about Kane Turner as well, which I'll refer back to that point. But, yeah, come on. Uh, we looked gassed before half time, then started reverting to kicking long. Yes, um, halfway through the second quarter, hands were on hips, chasing wasn't as hard, tackling pressure wasn't up as much. The Ds did improve. They changed things at quarter time. But you could see once we got tired, we just started kicking down the line again, sending it long to Larky, sending it long to Goldie or Jerry, um, and we stopped linking up as much and that's something that really made us fall apart is our fitness um there's going to be a question about fitness too i'm remembering all the questions that i've got here but yeah i think we need to get fitter and that's one of the 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 main thing for me that we need to be improving in the off season because as soon as we get tired long kicks down the line and that's when the game started to unravel um we just keep falling over i can't believe how many times we fell over in this game um it's atrocious so just wanted to point that out I don't know if we're playing on ice or, you know, they're using Dunlop volleys or they're just wearing vans out there. But, yeah, we just looked like children playing out there sometimes. 
Um, the free kick differential again. We've lost the free kick differential nearly every week. And I think we're on something like 55 free kicks against us or the differential is minus 55 for our free kicks for for and against, the m- most in the league. Um, I don't know. It just kind of feels like their refs are against us. And I think we're one of the teams that can say that the stats suggest that may be true. Um, we always get free kicks in our back pocket and we always give away free kicks further forward of our half. So just think that's a bit average. Um, I said we're, I said we're always second to the ball as well. We were running in numbers in the first half, but then the second half, this has been the biggest problem all year where we'll have a contest on the wing or, you know, there'll be a marking contest, the ball goes to ground and there's just demons everywhere. And we don't have any players. And I'd love to see a wide shot of the ground to know where all of our players are. Um, but once again, I think that's a fitness thing. Um, we only scored two goals after half time. We had eight goals to half time and finished with 10. That's a massive drop off. And once again, yes, we can look at it in the way that what a good first half of football or what a good first quarter and a half maybe is probably more accurate. Um, the same amount of quarters that we played against uh, against the Eagles. But two goals after halftime is not good enough. So once again, I think a lot of our issues here to do with fitness, um, which I would hope is the number one goal for the offseason. A couple of players to finish the negatives. Um, Hanson Jr., he's barely touched the ball in two weeks of footy. I think it's probably time to go back to the VFL. Um, missed a pretty easy goal as well. Looks a little bit scared, I think, at this level. I think it's good. Like a Blake Drury, he's got a taste now. He knows what the level is. Put him back to the twos, let him star there, and then he could earn his spot back when he's ready. So I think the Hanson Jr. thing was fun, um, but no goals. I think I'm assuming he's got like four touches a game. It's Phoenix Spicer levels of uh, nothing that Hanson Jr.'s done. Not a criticism. He's very young. I think he's got more potential than any other small forward we've got um, until we hopefully go to the draft or trades. But, um, yeah, I think his two performances have been a little bit lackluster. Glad he got a spot. I really want to see him do well, but maybe time to go back to the twos. Darcy Tucker is another one for me. Just his best is like six out of ten. And he turns the ball over a lot and he makes slow decisions I don't know. I'm just not feeling it with Darcy Tucker. I think he was one of the more poor players on the day. And I would love, I can't like him. Hugh Greenwood should be playing over him. Absolutely. Um, Even a Ben Cunnington or something like that. Darcy Tucker, he's solid enough, but I think he's had a really poor two weeks. So I'd like to see someone else come in for him maybe next week. He is playing sort of in that defensive role in the back line, but I don't know. I just don't know where he plays. I don't know. I don't really like him off half back. He doesn't, he's not, he's not a good enough kick. He's not quick enough. Um, I think he's just a neutral down in the back line there. I don't think he makes us worse, but I don't know. He's just kind of, eh, he's there. I think there's other players that we could trial there. Miller Bergman is another one. Uh, Rumor has it that the reason Greenwood and Miller Bergman aren't playing because they should easily be in our 22 is because they want them to play VFL finals and they've played the amount of games in the AFL uh, that you need to play VFL finals. So that's just a little word I heard. Don't uh, quote me on it, but hey, that's what I've been told. Um, Kane Turner, we don't need to talk about that anymore. Kane Turner is Kane Turner. 
Um, not great on the day. Yep, a couple of smothers, a couple of tackles, but barely any impact other than that. Jaden Stevenson, um, I've loved his season so far, but I think he just needs to go back to the twos for a bit and find some goals, really. Um, I could see him going back to the VFL for one, maybe two weeks max, and then coming straight back in. I wouldn't have a problem keeping him in the team. I think he's done enough this season to warrant his spot. Um, but he's been pretty ineffective the last couple of weeks. So interesting thing I noticed about Jaden Stevenson on the weekend. Halftime, he changed his Guernsey to short sleeves. So who knows? It could have been like a hoodie mellow or face mask LeBron sort of situation. Glove Zerha, um, glove bull was definitely a thing. Um, short sleeve Steve, we'll call him if he wears short sleeves. But short sleeve Steve definitely did not come out and improve his game. So just keep the long sleeves, mate. You look better in those. Um, really hope you find some goals soon because I like Jaden Stevenson. Uh, and Tristan Jerry, again, um, pretty ineffective with everything he really did. Um, Goldie is a much better ruckman. Goldie was taking marks in the forward line. Goldie was taking marks on the wing. Tristan Jerry's just not it, guys. Um, he's played better last week. He's not now a net negative, I think, but he just doesn't pose any sort of threat. The best Tristan Jerry moment of this game was when he got the ball and he shrugged someone off Dusty Martin or Ben Cunnington style, but he used his head. He's like barreled head first into a guy who bounced off him. So yes, he's tough and he's strong, but he can't use his strength for anything effective in our game. So... I would worry about Tristan Jerry staying in this team. I think he's been better since Goldie's been in, but maybe that's because he's not in the ruck as much to look so bad. So I would I would honestly be bringing uh, CCJ back in for Tristan Jerry because at least CCJ can go forward, can take marks on the wing. I know he was very poor the last month before he got dropped, um, but... I think he's got a higher potential than Tristan Jerry. And with Goldie playing as well as he still is, um, a Goldstein-Coleman-Jones combo is much more exciting to me than a Jerry and Goldstein combo. So there we go. Now, under the microscope for the week as well. Last uh, episode, I put Will Phillips uh, and Jaden Stevenson as two need-to-improves. And Paul Curtis, I want to see him do the same. Phillips, I think, had a really good game around the contest. Needs to be a little bit cleaner with his kicking. I think he's starting to get a little bit of Luke McDonald brain where he's really just hacking the ball forward. But I thought he was good today or yesterday, uh, much better around the contest and played his role in the midfield better. Not an amazing game, but uh, better than his last few weeks. Um, Steve-O, we've talked about him, unfortunately didn't fire. And Paul Curtis, I mean... Yeah, didn't do heaps, but I guess with Eddie Ford doing what he was doing down there and then after halftime, the lack of Ford 50 entries, not really the best game from him. Um, but hey, he wasn't he wasn't awful. I think he was better than Jaden Stevenson. So yeah, not, uh, not the greatest performances other than Will Phillips in Under the Microscope for the week. So I'll have a look at the teams and see who I want to respond. But um, good from Phillips, Steve Owen Curtis, yeah, we're not getting much from our, our smalls up forward, are we? I don't blame them all the time because the forward 50 entry is woeful, but yeah, I'd like them to create a bit more. The times that Stevenson and Curtis were impacting the games are when they pushed sort of up to the wing or half back. And uh, yeah, I guess they've got to do that sometimes to get around the ball. 
So the Sean Atley Club Champ votes, the three two ones. Bailey Scott, three votes this week. Eddie Ford, two votes. And Jack Zebel, one vote. Eddie Ford, if he did more in the second half, he would have easily got the three votes. Um, loved Eddie Ford's game. Yeah, felt bad not giving him the three because of how electric that first quarter is, but he was kind of... He floated in and out of the game after that to be nice to him. So Bailey Scott, consistently great through the game. Eddie Ford for that burst he had and the signs he showed. Then Jack Zebel just commanding our back line and really being that leader in the back half of the ground. I think that's a pretty fair 3-2-1. Taron Thomas and Aiden Core, I think, are other guys who could have got a vote. Um, but Zebel was too important to that back line. Um, once again, it's not just for maybe the best players on the ground. It's for the guys who showed heart and influenced the game in other ways than just stats. That's what the Sean Atley Club Champ's all about. So three Scott, two Ford, one Zebel. That takes Bailey Scott to 10 votes, LDU 14, Larky 15, and Sheezel still running away with it on 25. So I think Sheez has wrapped it up. No, it's three games left. I think, she- oh, I think Harry Sheezel may have officially won the Sean Atley Club Champ. The first, the inaugural Sean Atley Club Champ. Wowee. Looks like I'll be posting and talking about that. Um, have we got three games left or four? Let me have a look. I just need to make sure. We have three games left. Oh, my God, guys, Harry Sheasel. Congratulations, Harry Sheasel, for being the first winner of the Sean Atley Club champ. I can't believe I didn't uh, see this before. Is it? Ha- are we happy that Sheasel won it, our first-year player being our best player all season? Look, let's not worry about that too much. Well done, Sheez. I'll tag him on Instagram uh, when I post up the votes. When I post these votes up, please tag him in it too. And we'll see if we can get him to like the post or comment on it. So, well done, Harry Sheezel, the first ever winner of the Sean Atley Club champ. All right. Question time, guys. Question time. I've got a lot of questions here and we're going to dive in and do a lot of stuff through these questions. So... I'll try and get through these as quick as I can, but let's not rush too much because they're, they're great questions. Thank you for writing in as well, guys. Further North Podcast on Facebook, um, Further North Pod on Instagram. I made threads, but no one seems to use it or look at it, so I think threads will die. I was posting on there, but I don't know if I will. And the Twitter thing, look, I don't really want to make Twitter but I kind of think I should. So for now, just Facebook and Instagram. I'm a boomer. Uh, Jonathan Albase says on Facebook, we need to bring in a strong body midfielder. If that's Cunnington or Greenwood, feel like at times we get bullied in there. We also need a consistent winger like Bailey Scott on the other wing. Uh, Maybe try Lazara there or someone quick like that. As for the first part of the question, Hugh Greenwood should absolutely be in every single week. Um, from what I know, it is because they wanted to play VFL finals, but uh, that seems crazy to me. I guess we're not really trying to win. Um, that's the guy I would bring in. Other than that, we don't really have that guy. I think I'd like Zerha to go into the midfield more and be that guy, especially since we do have Stevenson, Paul Curtis, Cooper Harvey, Eddie Ford in that Ford line. I'd like Zebul to get oh Zebul. I'd like Zerha to get more midfield minutes and be that bull. And he's shown signs of it. And the signs he's in there, the times he's in there, I think he shows signs that he's good, but maybe needs some more fitness, which we know the whole squad does. Um, the other wing, um, 
Curtis Taylor, I think I like on that other wing at the moment. Him or Eddie Ford sort of rotating. I think they're probably the two. I wouldn't mind seeing maybe Jai Simkin on the wing, but I guess he doesn't really have the quickness, and I think I'd like him around the contest more off half forward. Um, I don't think Jai Simkin's best spot is in the midfield at the moment. I think he's maybe been overtaken by Thomas, LDU, obviously with Wardlaw, Phillips, all those sort of guys. So, But, yeah, like maybe a 50-50 for Simkin in the midfield. He's still a good midfielder. I think he's just had a bit of a down year. But, hey, there's my answer for those. Um, there is going to be some recruiting questions and we maybe will be able to answer that other winger question. Jeffrey Jethro Joffa Ellis. Do football clubs employ boot starters anymore? I lost count yesterday how many players slipped uh, over and lost their footing and went to ground. Melbourne players were seen to be removing large tufts of soil from their boots on interchange. Bizarre choice of boots by North players yesterday. Yeah, I forgot about there's different boots. Yeah, I think that must have been it. We went out with those plastic bottom boots instead of the studs. So you would think that we'd be able to play the ground a little bit better um, and know the ground better than the Ds. But hey, we're also just not very good at football. So maybe that's why we fell over. Uh, Glenn Lavender, secrets to sustainability. Which elements do we weigh higher to ensure being competitive for longer? Trust, fitness, skill, strength, age group balance and it can't be a cop-out a mix of all which elements will drive improvement faster which elements do i think i think at the moment our team needs fitness and skill i think we're a fairly physical team our tackle stats are pretty decent the age of the group you know i don't want to go too young so i'm not i wouldn't maybe put that one in us for now i think we're very young we, we shouldn't go younger uh, i know a lot of people just want to play a bunch of 18 year olds but that the track record of that doesn't work at all. Trust trust will come in time, but I think if we get our fitness up, which I think is our biggest glaring hole, which is sort of what we talked about in a lot of the negatives, I think fitness fixes a lot of those negatives we have. And our skills, the amount of times where we're just about to break and we're open from a contest, our skills let us down. So for me, uh, fitness and skill are the two at the moment that I would be picking. Alexander McNear. Does the excitement and upside of how well we played in the first quarter outweigh how poorly we played for most of the remaining three quarters? This is a great question because there's two sides of a supporter base, isn't there? There's lots of people I know that are saying, look at what we can do. That's a sign of things to come. And there's other people that are like, yep, but if we do that every single game and we still play three bad quarters, it doesn't really matter what our first quarters do. And I've told you guys this before, and you know what I'm like. I'm a pessimistic fan. I don't want to be like that. I wish I was pure positivity and excitement, but I am a very pessimistic fan. Um, I've always been like that with every team I support. The way I look at it is, is that a sign of what we can do? A little bit. I mean, I think the Ds were really poor, and they allowed us to do that. So I think it's a sign of things to come, but maybe not as much as we dominated in that first quarter. I definitely think... The three bad quarters outshadow the first quarter. Absolutely. And I think we need to set those standards of saying, let's not give them a pat on the back for playing one good quarter of football. They've got to do it for at least three quarters, at least. And if we play like that for three quarters, maybe we're 40 points up and three quarter time and we can chill a little bit. But no, until they get, um, until they can play a full game of football and get their fitness up, I don't really care what they do in the first quarter, to be honest. Like, at the end of the day, that was an exciting first quarter, but 
we lost and we lost by 30 odd points. So it doesn't really matter. So that's the way I look at it. Um, it's not from a place of negativity. It's from a place of wanting them to do better and me trying to set some personal standards of what I ex- expect from this team. As a fan, a lifelong fan, I'm sick of going and watching games and getting smacked around every week. And I don't want to just clap them when they do one thing good and 10 things bad. It's the same as my thoughts on Aiden Core. Like Aiden Core has been pretty good the last month of football, but he's been so bad for so long. I'm not ready to be like, oh, Aiden Core's so good. Look at him playing. I'm so happy for Aiden Core. When he does more good things than he has bad, if he plays like this for another year, then I'll turn. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sort of like that with the team where it's like, I knew we were getting overrun. And there was no question in my mind we were going to get overrun in that game. And that's the problem because of the other three quarters. So anyway, rant over, but that's how I see it. Um, we've got Brad Jamison. Is the Kane Turner experiment finally over? Do you think we'll make room for Bergman in this side before Jack leaves? Would love to see him and Goda on opposite flanks driving us out of defence. Jerry with another shocker. Just let Goldie play 100% game time like the old days and give back up Ruck to Greenwood. Um, I agree with everything you said there, Brad. Kane Turner experiment is over. Um, I think he'll keep playing. I don't know if he's got Clarkson's nudes on his phone or something like that, but he seems to have something that Clarkson likes. I guess we just don't have good enough players to take him out of the team, and that says a lot about our list at the moment. Um, I don't think they'll bring Birdman back in. I think they should, but once again, I've got a little bit of inside info from a listener that um, it's probably because they want him to play VFL finals, which is a really poor thing to do from a standard setting thing because he should be in the team over guys like Lockie Young, um, over guys like Kane Turner and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, um, I would definitely be bringing Bergman back in and seeing him and Goder off the back flanks would be something I'd love to do. Um, hopefully that's next season. If I was picking a 22 for next season now, that's what I would be be doing. And yep, Jerry with another shocker. Yeah, this is what Tristan Jerry is, to be honest, guys. Um, once again, I don't want to say I told you so all the time, but I can't think of one positive game Tristan Jerry's really ever had. Um, and look, with the, he's doing better now, but once again, it's the Aiden Core paradox where because he's not playing awfully, uh, we think he's good, and I don't want to get caught in that. Um, not criticizing Aiden Core for his last few games. He's been, he actually has been good, but I think I named it the Aiden Core paradox not long ago, so I'm sticking with it. Um, Greenwood or bring in Coleman Jones in the forward line for me again. Um, I reckon that's the go. Tubby Tanker, I think we desperately need a small lockdown defender. We can, uh, we continually get exposed with lack of pace down back. What are your thoughts? Um, I think I'd like to see Jackson Archer get that role, and I think that's what he's been doing. Um, I like Jackson Archer in that role. There's nobody else in the club that I think could do that role, so we definitely need to recruit in that area some competition for Jacko. But I think Jackson Archer's done really well since he's been in the team, just playing his role, and uh, I think I can see him as that lockdown defender. I don't see him off halfback. I don't want him using his kicking ability or his handball off the half-back line because I think it'll get turned over a lot. But as a guy to tag a Charlie Cameron or Toby Green, uh, that's the guy I would like to do it. Chris Hamilton, I want you to discuss the Eddie Ford curse. Not saying that it is all Eddie's fault, but we lose every game that he plays in. I'm starting to think it could be. Eddie has played in 19 games without a win. What else could it be? What else? Uh, what does he have to do to break the curse? 
Eddie Ford needs to do exactly what Eddie Ford did on the weekend. Um, I think there's a lot of players in this team at the moment who have barely won a game. So I don't think it's the Eddie Ford curse. I think we're just a bad team. And he's been a bit of a shining light in this bad team. Just unlucky, to be honest. Just like Ben Mackay. Like he's barely won any games in his career. Um, I think that more shows how bad we are as a team than any individual player. So um, I love Eddie Ford. Let's not start calling it the Eddie Ford curse. Um, wins will come for him and he'll be a big part of why we get those wins. Um, Jared Lane, two comments here. Tristan Jerry, will he ever learn to take a contested grab? We're not going to go on about Jerry because I've said all I have to say about him before, but the answer is no, he will never take a contested mark. And Jared Lane also says, Zebra plays uh, best quarter of his life and even lifts McDonald. Are you worried about a defense next year? Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> and in brackets, the Josh technique. Ask a hypothetical question and then answer it. Love that structure. Thank you, Jared. Um, that is the structure, mate, because sometimes I'm here talking by myself and can't get guests on every week, so I have to have a conversation with myself. Um, and yes, yes, I do worry about that. Just like I pointed out before, Zebul goes next year. I'm really worried who can play that role. Zebul's been so important all year to our defence. Um, the slander on Zebul in the last couple of months has been out of line and there's not one game he should have been dropped for, in my opinion, um, because there's no one else to bring in for him. There really, really isn't. So I would have sent him around for another year, but that's not going to be the case. Um, hopefully McDonald, Jackson Archer, Bergman, Goda can step up next year. But once again, I'd sort of love some recruiting in that area because I don't see anyone who's really going to be able to do that contested mark thing. I actually think Luke McDonald might be the best for that, but then his kicking ability, I don't know, unless Clarkson waves the magic wand. Um, he's the closest contested mark um, or tough guy in the back line, I think, anyway. Um, Nicholas Ed Pasco, who would you like to see uh, North delist at the season's end? And who could use for trade bait? Um, that's a big question, so I'm not going to dive in fully to that one just yet. Um, I will read out the guys who I think should be delisted at the end of the year, though. As for trade bait, we're going to do more episodes later in the year. Um, we've got some more trade questions and free agency questions coming up, so I'm going to do a little bit on this, um, but there's going to be bigger podcasts at the end uh, of the year. I'll try and get some people who know a little bit more about this than me. But here are some players. Here are the players that I would de be delisting. Uh, Jack Marnie, not good enough, never been good enough. Can't believe he's wearing number one. See you later, mate. Um, I, w I wouldn't be delisting Ben Cunnington, but like, let's say it's probably time to hang up the boots. I won't be disappointed if he plays again, um, but I think we need to make as many list spots as possible because I want to see a complete list overhaul and I want to see, you know, four to six draftees and four to six signings, free agents, trades, whatever. That's what I want to see come into this club. I don't think it'll be that way, but... Um, we need mega, mega change. So I just put Cunnington here, not to delist him. He's a warrior, he's a champion. I think we need his experience around the club. But if he goes, it's a potential go. Daniel Howe, uh, don't need to say much about that. Below average in nearly every stat in the league. Um, I can't believe it says Daniel Howe is 193 centimetres. And then next here, I've got Adam Bonner, who's 190 centimetres and is a key defender. But Daniel Howe's a midfielder. Um, Aiden Bonner, time to go, mate. If you want to keep him for VFL depth or whatever, but put him on the rookie list or something like that. Um, Lockie Young is another one here. I don't know if I see it from Lockie Young. 
wouldn't be upset if he stayed another season, but I don't know if I'd want him to be starting, I guess. I'm harsh on Lockie Young, but I think I think Goda and Bergman, Jackson Archer, those sort of guys, even McDonald are better than him. Um, so, yeah, maybe Lockie Young. Ben Mackay is going to go. I'll just put him there because he's definitely gone. Kane Turner, time to go, mate. Jacob Edwards, man, I forgot this guy existed. He's barely a VFL player. Um, Charlie Lazaro, harsh, but we need list spots. Wouldn't be upset if he stayed around, but I just don't think he'll do it at AFL level. Um, Phoenix Spicer, once again, I think a VFL player. I wouldn't want him taking a list spot off a new recruit or something like that. So if he can stay in the VFL and be in our VFL squad, fantastic, um, but maybe not on our senior list. Um, <laughs> I screenshot Tristan Jerry here. That's not going to happen. Um, I, I, look, I'm happy to persist with Jerry, but yeah, I, I don't see it with him. Maybe trade bait. I think the Ruckman is a position we need to recruit desperately. Um, but no, I don't, th- I don't think Tristan, I was more doing this to make everyone upset. Um, Flynn Perez nah, hasn't shown anything. Don't think he's good enough. His knees explode all the time. Um, poor user, user of the ball, not that quick. Not a good defender. I don't know what he offers, to be honest. So Flynn Perez needs to go for me. Um, so that will basically be all the people. They're all people I think could go. Maybe not Tristan Jerry, but 10 to 11 players there that could go. Um, and I'd love to see all of that, um, you know, a big, big list change. So there's some guys that I think should go. Aiden Collar, um, how, he's basically saying, how deep of a list clean out do we need? Rawlings said, we have to reduce the list um, as it is. Uh, now on top of making space for new draftee and trades, could we see 10 to, uh, 12 to 15 of our current players not on our list next year? Personally, I would like us to take three or four draftees and try and get four to six established players. Love the show. Thank you, Aiden. Yes, I guess this does lead off from exactly what I said before. I agree. Um, we need you know, at least 10 to 12 minimum uh, players off this list um, and then to be drafting and bringing in recruits in the off-season. So um, that could be a fantastic thing if that does happen. So I agree with you there. Um, and lastly, Sean Mack. I know Shizu has the best kick in the team and is needed off halfback, but sweet bugger, all that is doing <laughs> all that is doing us he needs uh, to play forward of centre like we drafted him for. Time to shake it up. Also, I live interstate and fork out the money to take the family to Melbourne and watch us get spanked twice a year. Going again this week, please pull off a win against BS for us. Um, I wanted to read Sean's comment out just because that's great commitment, mate, uh, flying down to Melbourne uh, twice a year to watch us get spanked. You're a real fan. Um, I agree. Shizu needs to go in the forward half, and that's why some recruiting off halfback uh, and a good user of the ball would be brilliant. Taron Thomas is not the guy to play off halfback. So, yeah, I agree with that 100%. He needs to play forward. Um, he'll do better than Steve-O and Curtis have been doing lately. You can see every time he goes forward, something happens, and he's just a dynamic player. Um, so I do agree with that. Good luck for coming down on the weekend against the Bombers. Hopefully we get a win. I don't think we will, but um, at least they should show up for you, mate. So good luck there. We'll go to Instagram. Uh, these are taking a while, so we'll get through these. It's going to be a long podcast, guys. Strap in. 
Tyson.McRae says, after watching Finn McGuinness tag at Dacos, who on our list could be the uh, next tagger? I don't know, to be honest. I was thinking about this, and I don't really know anyone that's going to be a tagger. Um, I know Shields tagged a little bit, but that's not the guy I want to be a tagger. Um, we don't really have anybody that I would want to be tagging, to be honest. So maybe a position that Kane Turner, definitely not, obviously. Um, maybe a position to recruit, but a, is the tagger still a massive thing? You know, I guess like a Ryan Clark. I mean, it would be nice to have a Ryan Clark on our team right now, wouldn't it, if we didn't get rid of him? Um, yeah, a position we need to recruit, I'll say. I don't think we have anyone in the team that can do it. No one I would trust anyway. Jackson Archer, I guess, but he needs to be in the back line. Um, big underscore fish with a one. Fantastic name. Not really a question, but I liked how big Suvlaki was playing further up the ground. Yeah, I think he presented a lot better and took a few good marks. He used his body well in contests. He's too crucial of a player to get the ball on the wing and have no one to kick it to, though. So I think I'd like to see someone else like a Coleman Jones come back in and be able to do that um, or recruiting someone or, you know, seeing Goldie on the wing taking a mark because we really need Larky in that 50. Um, who else have we got here? Da, 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 da. All right. Um, North uh, Melb underscore Vintage says, favourite Kangas versus Essendon moments. Um, I went to see North Melbourne versus Essendon. This is when I lived in Tasmania and I came up here with my family in 2014, a game during the season. And it was at Marvel Stadium. Uh, what was it called then? Eddie had. And I just remember Daniel Wells running amok in that game. Um, he was a fantastic player and I just remember him dominating all over the ground. That's the memory that springs to mind because of the first time going to a game interstate, I think. And um, I don't know. That was just awesome to see. Obviously, Frank the Tank is the other one that I'll go with. A very a softball answer there, but yeah, look, I uh, there's you can't go past Frank the Tank. Um, Bailey Tyson underscore is Bailey Scott our most improved player? Feel it will be him and she's fighting for best and fairest. Maybe not most improved. I thought he was really really good last year. Um, who would be our most improved? I think Larky maybe is our most improved player. Um, I think he's been really good. Miller Bergman is probably another one I would say is our most improved player. Um, he was woeful. I mean, he only look, he only played one game. Okay, that's harsh. But, I, you know, the times I saw him, they sort of played him as a key defender um, and he was, you know, the size of a small twig. But coming back and playing a different role, I think he played really well at the start of the year. Bailey Scott's been immense, but I think he was pretty good last year. Um, T. Thomas Six. What mature age defenders do you think slash have you heard will be in uh, in a, will be in for for the trade period? Now we had a couple of questions about recruiting. Um, we also had Envy Food Jones say uh, wants a full sign slash delist of players in limbo. Um, he goes, I listen every week and love the show, mate. Thank you so much. Um, we had some more questions here about recruiting, so. I'm not going to try and dive through and find them all. If I, I've got some screenshotted here, so if I find your question that had more recruiting stuff in it, I'll read your name out still. There's been a couple of rumours um, that have been floating around, and one that came out today was Dylan uh, Stevens, uh, left footer, um, was a former number five pick, and apparently North see him playing the opposite wing to Bailey Scott. Um, 184 centimetres, 80 kilos. He's 22 years old. 
Look, I'm happy to take a flyer on a guy like that. These are the sort of guys that Clarkson needs to find who have a bit of potential. Looking at his stats, he's below average in most stats. Um, but I'm really banking that Clark, if Clarkson sees something in these players, I'm trusting Clarkson knows what he's talking about. Um, he averages you know, below average contested possessions, disposals, kicks, clearances, all that sort of stuff. So look, he doesn't jump out on you on paper. Former number five pick, we know Clarkson loves a left footer. That other wing spot is vacant. And uh, yeah, if Clarkson believes anyone wants to bring him in, I'm all on board. Um, another guy is Lewis Melikin. Uh, I think he's a free agent as well from the Swans. He, a key defender, 26 years old, 194 centimetres, 100 kilos. Um, yeah, this is exactly, once again, the sort of player we need to bring in. We're not going to bring in Grundies. We're not going to bring in you know, players of that ilk. We're not going to bring in, uh, what's that little idiot from Collingwood's name? Ginovan? Yeah, we're not bringing in players like that. They're not coming to North. These are the sort of players we need to bring in. So once again, if he's a key defender that we've been linked to, um, he is someone that I would love to take a flyer on. If there was any key defender that maybe is gettable, um, would be from Essendon, Brandon Zerk Thatcher. 195 centimetres, 24 years old, 90 kilos. Um, really has good uh, intercept, like intercept possessions above average, spoils above average, above average one-on-one contests. Um, doesn't mind his average on intercept marks disposals, metres gained. Just looking at the AFL app here for my stats. But he looks really good. And if Ben Mackay is going to go there, maybe he will see himself on the outer. If we want this guy... We need to match uh, what over offer Essendon give Ben Mackay and force a trade. And getting a guy like this to lead our defence for the future, that's the guy I'm talking about right now. I think I would like him to be our number one target for defence, um, along with a Lewis Melican maybe as a backup option. Um, another guy we sort of got linked to as well um, with for some carry-off halfback was Massimo D'Ambrosio. D'Ambrosio, whatever, I don't know how to say it. Um, another Essendon player, defender, 20 years old, 178 centimetres. Um, you know, he's sort of below average in a lot of sort of stats, but I do really believe that Clarkson is going to be able to bring um, some of these guys out. Um, and I don't know. I just think if we're getting linked to these guys, if Clarkson's doing some recruiting in the last month, these are players that, you know, we're not going to be able to get guys who are elite in AFL stats, who are well above average, because they're going to go to better clubs right now. We need to find guys that have potential. And I think all these guys are young, hopefully hungry, and fit positions we need in key defense and run off half back. As for all the trades and stuff like that, um, well, not the trades, the draft, we're going to get pick two, possibly pick three. You'd think at the moment, you know, the AFL might grant us Riley Sanders. Pick two, we're looking at taking Nick Watson. Pick three, I've heard we're going to take a guy called Colby McKersha. I don't really know what sort of player he is, though, so I'd have to look up at that. Um, and then pick 15, 16 at the moment from Port Adelaide. So we're looking at a good draft hand this year. Um, some other guys that I have quickly skipped through on the free agents list. As for trades, I probably don't have the knowledge of other opposition players. I would love to get somebody on the podcast who knows opposition players and can we can do like a recruiting or a trade episode. So if you're listening to this and know about trades, um, know about guys from other teams we should look at um, or know anyone who does, please send me a message and let me know because maybe you can come on the pod and we can do an episode together. 
But some guys I like from the free agents list, um, Oleg Markov from the Pies, the guy with the stash, constantly the sub at the moment. Um, I don't think he'd leave. If he's getting to be the sub at Collingwood, he can't be that far away from being in the 22. And why would you leave the Pies right now? But, you know, let's throw some money of him at him. 188-centimetre defender. Um, he's got some dash, and I would love a guy like that off halfback. Um, he see if he's getting near the pie squad, clearly he's good. He's below average in a lot of stats, but once again, you know, if he's coming on as the sub, you can't really blame him. But the times I've watched him play, I like his run. I like his link-up play. This is someone I would love to throw some coin at and get along to the club. He could be that guy off halfback as well um, that could give us some run, that or a winger. Um, Radigalia from the Cats. This is a guy that I've been talking about for a while. Now, I don't think he's the best defender in the world. I do think I'd rather use him as a ruckman, to be honest. But as someone who can play ruck or can play in defence, 197 centimetres, over 100 kilos, key defender, great at intercept marking, great one-on-one, great at spoiling. That's a guy I would love. Um, I think he's a free agent as well. I don't know if I saw that right or wrong, but... Radigalia would be a guy I would love to bring to the club. With uh, Clarkson's ability at coaching, I think he can tidy up a couple of little mistakes he makes. But our, we've got a massive hole in the ruck after Goldstein. So if he played in the ruck, I would love that. But also if Jerry works out and we have to put him back. So him and Core and Griffin Logue working it out back there. You know, Core and Griffin Logue maybe aren't those big key defenders like a Mackay. And I think he could be someone who could come in and do a job. So... I would be going after Radigalia. I know every time I say this, a lot of people really hate it and seem to not like it, but I'm not sure what there isn't to like about that. Um, another guy who's from the Cats, who's a free agent, is Sam Minigola. Um, Doesn't really get a spot at the moment, but I think I'd be bringing this guy in as like a, a Liam Shields type role um, for some experience. Like, look, I'm not saying we have to go out and get him, but just as a guy on the free agents list who could add some experience, he's only 31. Um, yeah, why not? Why not? But I prob- if Shields is going to stay and, you know, we are going to draft some young midfielders, maybe not, but I thought that'd be a guy to mention. Um, another defender that I think would be good to target, another guy who's a free agent, is Charlie Constable. Um, I don't know if he signed a new deal or not. Maybe I looked at an old article, but defender, 192 centimetres, would maybe like him to be a bit bigger, maybe not a key defender, but um, another guy sort of off half back or can do a job in the back line. He's averaging 22 and a half disposals, high metres gained, high rebound 50s, another off half back option who is a free agent at the moment. I'd assume he'd stay with the Suns because they're decent enough um, and if he's in there 22 every week, which it looks like he is, um, why would he go to North Melbourne? But there's a name for you. Um, another key defender that, you know, maybe we're, we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here a little bit, um, but maybe a guy who can come in and compete. I don't really believe in this one, but just a guy I thought of is Tim O'Brien from the Bulldogs. Doesn't get a consistent game. He is 29, but another key defender. I'm really after a key defender, guys, so... He's someone who's on the outer there, it does seem. Um, has a great haircut, by the way. He comes into the barbershop a lot. Maybe that's why I put him down here. But I don't know. Like, let's give guys like that a shot. Give him a one-year deal or something and see what he can do. Um, but, yeah, there's a very long uh, answer to all of these questions. Um, but there is somebody, um, you know, that we could maybe use. But I think for me, like, the first few really jump out at me. 
Um, I would love, uh, Mar- I'd love Markov. I'd love Radigalia. I'd love Constable um, and Zerk Thatcher um, or Lewis Melican and Dylan Stevens. They're the guys who I'd really be going after. You know, the last few, Menegola and O'Brien are probably two that I was like, eh, not really, but hey, let's see. All the other guys I'd be more than happy to go after. Now, let me find where the questions were at. Give me two seconds here, team. You know, I, I screenshot a lot of the questions I want to put in and I screenshot a lot of the players that I want to delist and all that sort of stuff. Um, and now it's all lost in a mess. All right, here we go. Instagram questions. Done that one. Done that one. Okay. Do you feel the club... Oh, this is from Harvey underscore Sutherland. Do you feel the club uh, decisions to prioritize game plan over fitness has cost us four wins this season? Yes, absolutely. Our fitness is the reason for most of our problems. Um, I trust Clarkson and I trust the way he's going to do it. So, there's, but the, the, the main thing this offseason needs to be fitness. You can see it. We just get gas like the Saints game. We just didn't have the legs to run out the game. It's the, it's the legs and the belief at the moment. So screw the game plan. Just get fit and then learn the game plan so you can execute it straight away. But yeah, I, I agree 100% um, with that comment. Um, Nelson Shane Williams on Instagram. We need more impact from our sub at, um, at the turning point. Who are our best impact subs? Example, Cunners. Um, Cunners would actually be a decent one, I think. I think our problem isn't run. I think our problem is sometimes our midfield gets bullied and we can't change it up. So I think Cunners would be a good one. I don't like how or Lazaro or anything there. Zebu should be in the 22. Um, honestly, I don't. I th- like there's Bergman's like Greenwood, but they should both be in the 22 for me. Um, I don't think we have a player like from those free agents that I read out before, like a Markov or something is the perfect sub. Um, and we need a guy like that. I think Lazaro could be okay as the sub, but he just doesn't impact the game enough. I think if we do say we draft Nick Watson, the small forward, um, and Braden George comes on, I think having someone like a Jaden Stevenson or a Paul Curtis or an Eddie Ford or a player of that type coming on could be really, really good. I think, you know, a quick, an, an exciting midfielder or someone who's going to play in the forward line to spark our team would be better than being able to bring someone on and make a defensive change. So a player of that ilk would be uh, what I would be bringing in. Jim... Stevens with a five. Jerry is a spud, built like Tarzan and plays like Jane. Goes into contests like wacky Mr. Inflatable. Um, not really a question, but I just agree with the statement, so I wanted to read that one. Um, Reese Brook says, does Stevenson deserve to be a long-term player? I think he does. I think, like a Taron Thomas, he's going to be the icing on top of the cake. He's not going to be the guy to drag our team forward. Definitely not as much as maybe Taron can, but I think he's going to excel when we get better delivery into our 50. So I do believe so. With the Ford, if we do draft Nick Watson, Braden George, you know, comes back next year. You got Cooper Harvey, you got Sheezel going forward. Our medium sized Fords are going to be, there's going to be plenty of them. So um, he's got some pressure on him, but maybe he thrives in that pressure. Let's not forget how good of a year he has had. Since the bye, he's been quiet, but, you know. He is playing in a forward line that gets like three inside 50s a game. So I think he's got the talent. Let's just say that. Nath Beast 18 says, why is Tom Powell not afforded the same opportunities in the seniors as some of the others? 
I don't know. A weird opinion from me. I don't know if I see it with Tom Powell. Um, that he might actually be a good idea as the sub, to be honest, from that question before. I just don't know where he fits in. I don't think he's... I think Simkin and Greenwood, Sheasel, Taron, LDU, Wardlaw, Will Phillips, all those guys are better midfielders than him. And some of those guys will have to play on the wing just to fit them all in the squad. Um, I just don't see him off half back. I don't... I'd rather Bergman... Um, I'd rather go to off half back or even McDonald pushing up and going off half back more because he's been better since he's moved there since Jackson Archer's come in. Um, I don't know. I just don't. I think we have so many midfielders that we need to we need to recruit in different areas. And I think he could absolutely be a player that we use as trade bait to bring in a running defender, a key forward, a key defender, something like that. Just trade bait. So I don't know. I just he's he's good. Um, but I think we've got better than Tom Powell. So I think maybe it's just because he doesn't fit in the team. That would be my thoughts anyway. Riley underscore Masterson underscore 14. Would the average, uh, would, <laughs> no, would the Avengers be able to save our club? Uh, the answer is no. We are bad. No chance. Thanos in the ruck would be cool. I know he's not an Avenger. Um, I mean, Spider-Man off halfback would be good, I think. Um you could chuck Iron Man. I think Iron Man, maybe as a full fullback. I think just some steel in defense, some toughness. Um, Doctor Strange, we can weave his magic on the wing, maybe like that. Who who else is an Avenger? The Hulk. Hulk uh, Hulk's got to be Ruck. Hulk's got to be Ruck, actually. Or just chuck him at full forward, you know, send the ball down to him, Tony Lockett style. Maybe they could. Maybe they could. Jared... Andrews, LMAC looked better this game in terms of effort. Love watching Archer's development. Luke McDonald was a scapegoat for a long time. Um, he, I'm not saying he was great in that period where he was bad. He, he wasn't doing very well at all. But I think we got in his back a little bit too much. I think he's been decent in the last three or four weeks. But I think people give him the Zebel treatment where when he's bad, we want to yell at him. Um, and when he's good, we won't say anything. Uh, maybe not as much. Like, Zebul does get a bit of praise because he was brilliant on the weekend. Maybe that's just me. But I think Luke McDonald has been good the last two weeks. And I think since Archer's come in the team, um, he's been able to free up LMAC and he's been better. Brighton underscore Isles. What do we need to fine-tune with new recruits to get that first quarter effort all game, every game? Um, Brighton, uh, this was another comment that I couldn't find before. I guess that sort of ties into a few of those recruits that I read out before. I think key defender, Ruckman, and running half back, and another key forward would be the most important ones to draft or recruit. Um, so that sort of ties into my question before. Thank you, Brighton. Jay Barton 98 besides the Insta unfollow, how do you feel about the Thomas performance? Taron Thomas was great. Taron Thomas is the icing on top, like I said before. Um, I'm confused. I think if he unfollowed the club and he hated them, I don't think he would have played on the weekend. Surely not. But you never know in North sometimes. I'm not playing Hugh Greenwood. I'm not sure about Taron. If we can trade Taron Thomas and bring in someone fantastic or filling a key position and he, he doesn't want to be there, then do it. But if he wants to be there, I want Taron Thomas in this team. But he needs to start showing some loyalty, some faith and some compassion for the club that stood by him. We're not going to know any more about the unfollowing thing. 
you know, I think you can read into it too much, but I don't think you shouldn't read into it at all. Look, I think it's the most Gen Z way of telling someone you don't like them without telling them you don't like them because you're too scared. Um, I don't know. We need a guy like Taron Thomas, but he needs to want to be here and pull his head in. I guess that's my thoughts on that. So that is all of the questions, guys. There was a lot there. Thank you for sitting through uh, all of those. Um, thank you for all the great questions as well. I love um, getting you guys to input in the show, uh, especially for the one-on-one podcast. So from now on, when I do the podcast by myself, I'll ask you guys a question and answering or putting your thoughts into a question is a much better way and much better structure for a discussion point. So thank you again. Um, feel free to follow all the socials and write in all your questions. We've got a five-star review here I forgot to read out last week from Jezbang. Uh, keep uh, keeps us sane and keeps us going five stars and jezbang says josh and guests have had the <laughs> inevitable job of reviewing north's terrible season this podcast has kept us engaged and provided much needed therapy for our collective trauma josh is a great host and money is the best thank boomer for this podcast it's a needed public service and keep me somewhat sane. Thank you so much. That's an awesome five-star review. Thank you so much, Jez Bang, for that. I'm glad I can give you guys some therapy. Look, it's been tough. My brain is very thankful there's only three games left. I love the club, but my God, I'm excited for the off-season. Um, but thank you so much for that. Remember, guys, five-star reviews on Apple, I will read out. Um, it gets the show up in the ratings and gets it seen by more people. Five stars on Spotify would be great as well. Thank you to everyone who's done that. It takes one click for you to do that and it helps me out a lot for giving you free content every week. You can comment on the show on Spotify as well. Um, I do forget to check them sometimes, but leave funny comments there. I'll read them out um, when I remember to. So what we're going to do now, um, we'll just do a quick, I was going to do a VFL recap, but this podcast has gone on for a very long time. We got spanked again in the VFL. Um, we were dominating, actually it was a lot like the seniors, dominated the first quarter and then fell away. So I'm not sure where we're sitting on the ladder. Um, I'm going to get into the VFL a little bit more in the next few weeks leading up to finals. So we'll get into that at a different time. Let's do a quick round review. So we had the Bulldogs beating the Tigers. The Dogs absolutely slaughtered the Tigers. Um, dogs had 50 points to quarter time. So yeah, Richmond, uh, they're okay. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they still made the finals maybe, but oh, I guess they're a little bit far back now. 38 points. Two games. They probably need a miracle, but anyway, it's good not seeing the Tigers in the finals. They've been there too often. Um, West Coast Essendon. What a terrifying game. I genuinely thought that North were about to tank for the, <laughs> for the number one pick. Um, I kind of don't want to finish last, guys, to be honest. I, Harley Reid's great, but... I kind of don't want to finish last. So what a crazy game. Essendon by one point in the end over the Eagles. Uh, Adelaide beating the Suns. We knew that was going to happen. Hawthorne beating Collingwood. Man, I'm so jealous of Hawthorne. I really, really am. I thought we were going to be miles ahead of this team. I could name like one player who plays for the Hawks. But it does show that you've got to build a foundation before you put the icing on top of the cake. And uh, we've got the icing and no cake. Hawthorne have the cake. But, well, clearly they might have some icing too. But... Pies just look a bit flat, don't they? But the Hawks compete every week, and that's the standard we need to be setting as well. 
Um, the Cats beat the Power. Yes, fantastic. The Power have dropped to fourth on the ladder. So we now have the 15th pick instead of the 17th. So that's the best thing to come out of this weekend, except for that Eddie Ford goal. Um, the Swans beat the Giants. Battle of the Bridge. I'm sure everyone tuned in for Battle of the Bridge. Um, I didn't, though. I don't care about that. Sydney sucks. Um, the Saints lost to the Blues. God, I've turned completely on Carlton. Um, I really wanted the Blues to do well, but I'm slowly seeing that maybe they are the most obnoxious fan base. I've never seen so many people I had no idea like football come out of the woodwork when Carlton wins. So, yeah, it was actually nicer when they were losing. And Brisbane just beating Fremantle. Um, yeah, I was scared because, once again, Brisbane needed to win to go ahead of the power as well, and they made it tough. Um, I'm sort of off the Brisbane train now. I've been a Brisbane believer up until the last two weeks, and yeah, I just don't think they're good enough now. I've changed my tune. So I think Brisbane will win all the games they play at the Gabba, but any the first final they play away from the Gabba, they're going to lose. So, um, But I'm glad they won, and now Port sit fourth, Brisbane third, D's second, and Collingwood first. So... Hopefully, Carlton fifth. That's wild. Um, that's insane. This ladder from fifth all the way down to like four, 14th, maybe 15th is so close. What a crazy season. Even the Hawks are plucky. Um, what a crazy season. I have no idea who's going to make the eight. Carlton's on fifth on 46 points and Essendon in 12th on 40 points. So a game and a half away. That's wild. So a crazy finish to the season awaits. The Cats and the Swans are ninth and 10th, and they were last year's grand finalists. What a crazy, crazy league we've got this year. That's the podcast, guys. Thank you for sitting through that one. Um, nearly an hour and a half, I'm assuming this one will be. You guys seem to like the longer podcasts, though. Um, they get the most listens. So maybe you guys like sitting down, listen to me dive in. Hopefully you don't mind a longer one without a guest. Um, lots of questions though. Some fantastic questions this week. So thank you guys again. I'll be back for the preview podcast um, leading up to the Essendon game. 145 on Saturday, a Saturday game. I forgot that they played AFL on Saturdays. We must've done a deal with the AFL or something. Maybe it's uh, putting Ben Mackay in front of his, uh, his next team. It'll be interesting to see how Mackay plays, actually, and for that that Thatcher bloke, Zerk Thatcher. It'll be interesting to see how he plays. I would like to take it up to the Dons, and I'd like to say that I believe we can win this week. Um, I just want to take it to the line. If it's a game anything like last time, I'd be very happy. I'd like to see some changes this week, but look, we'll cover this in the preview podcast. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Love you to bits for sticking through this season with me. It's going to be a massive season next year, so I'm already looking forward to that. Okay. Three games left. Let's put in a shift, and I'll talk to you guys Friday morning for the preview podcast. Thank you again, team. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Further North Podcast. We'll be back next week with more great North chat. See you then, Bruce Vance.